Test, test. Say that again. Test, test. Try it one more time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, you can see the voice. Yeah, I can tell. Right. I just like having you say test, test. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, make me, it made me feel powerful, kind of. Uh-huh. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Pre-Accident Podcast. It's podcast time. So if you ask me what time it is, like if you said, hey, Todd, what time is it? I'd say it's podcast time because it's time for the podcast. Today, it has a bit of an international flair to it. Yes, today's podcast is international. This is a very interesting podcast where I talk to a uh, young safety professional in Shanghai, China. His name is Anthony Mao. Now, you may say to me, is it the same Mao as you think of when you think of China? Like Chairman Mao Mao and Mao Mao? Yes, it is the same. I mean, I don't think they're related. Um me, I'm probably not, but but it's the same Mal, and his name's not really Anthony, but he tells us his real name. But Anthony's is his English name. That's the name he uses because he makes it easier for us. And um, <clears throat> it was a really great opportunity to get and talk to, uh, sit around and talk to um, a young safety professional. And I always think that's valuable for a bunch of reasons. It's even more valuable when you can talk about the future of safety and health in the world's most populous country that just has not traditionally um, paid a lot of attention to safety and health. Uh, let's say it this way. I'm trying to think of ways to say this. Um, they're, they've started the journey later than we did. Does that make, that was a good way to say that. That feels like a good, good thing to say. And because they've started the journey later than we did, I think their journey will be faster and probably more efficient than ours was. And that's actually called, that whole phenomenon is called technology jump. And I don't know how much you know about this, but a great example would be telephones. So places that were underserved for telephones, like Central Africa is a really great example. When we started telephones in the United States, we started with copper line and, uh, and party lines and operators. And then we stayed with copper line and we went to automatic switching. And then we went to private lines, but still on copper. And we had landlines for a really, really, really long time. And then we developed cellular technology, which at first didn't really take into account data. Remember back when data used to come through copper? Like those of you that are really old and you had AOL and you would plug it in and and it would make all that beeping sound and your modem would hook up over the landline. Well, now... We don't need any of that. In fact, probably most of you listening to this podcast don't even have a landline. That's, that's how uh, unnecessary landlines are. But that landline developmentally was a big part of telephones, at least for us in the United States. In Africa, they skipped all those early developmental steps in telephonography, tele- telephonography, telephoneness, and telephoning. Uh, that's uh, that has a word, but I can't think what it is. And they immediately went uh, almost directly to cellular with data. That's called a technology jump, and and I and it, I guess it's a benefit. I mean, it means they went an awful long time with nothing when we had copper lines and hard lines and things like that. But when they did develop, they developed at the level of technology that was currently used. 
which means they didn't have to go through all that other technology. Some of this idea of the technology jump probably is going to exist on the journey to health and safety in places like China. Because a lot of the early phases of safety that we know uh, and sometimes run as fast as we can away from, they're not going to have to do some of that stuff because they can move almost immediately into maybe more advanced thinking, into more systems thinking. And that's kind of what the last trip that I did to China for an organization called EFC was about. So they put out um, one of my books in Chinese, and I'm sure it's great. I can't read it, but it looks good. I mean, it's got a lot of pages. And there's a lot of writing on it, so that seems good. And every every page is numbered. I did check that. I got the numbering part. But because they put this book out in Chinese, they uh, had a workshop where we went over and talked about human and organizational performance stuff, which is, you know, the stuff I talk about, and fatalities. We talked a lot about fatality and fatality prevention because that's the book they chose. Of all the books I have in uh, my little repertoire of books, the one that they wanted to do first was the one around fatalities because there's a lot of pressure. And in fact, Anthony talks about the pressure on them around fatalities. That's worth listening to alone in this podcast. But I think it's also a really interesting podcast because you're going to hear them talk about um, sort of the criminalization of accidents. There's some stuff going on there that's that's pretty interesting. I I, th- I think you'll find this from a sort of a global sociological standpoint, a a pretty interesting podcast to listen to. I hope everything's going great for you. We're deep in the middle of the holiday season, that sweet spot where we have Thanksgiving in the United States and then the holidays, the whole end of the year, Christmas, New Year's, all those holidays are happening. And so there's kind of a lot going on. And I know that because everybody's super busy. And you can kind of feel how busy everybody is just by sort of the sense of urgency people have in doing work and making phone calls and answering emails. There's, there's just, there's people have many things on their plate and because there are many things on their plate, they're working diligently to make many things happen. Here's my advice. Do not miss a chance to slow down and be grateful. Do not miss a chance to understand that a part of doing these celebrations, these rituals that we have, as societies, is really the notion of celebrating our ability to be together. And my biggest piece of advice for you during this period of time is that don't think of your wellness as a reward. Don't think of giving yourself a chance to relax, a chance to just sit and talk with friends, a a chance to just sit and enjoy the presence of being around people with no agenda don't think of that as a, as a reward that you get because you've done a lot of work. Think of it as a necessary part of how you remain sane because you're only as good as you are sane, and we need you to be good, so therefore we need you to be sane. I mean, you don't have to be perfectly sane. Probably none of us are, but definitely take care of yourself and the people around you. That's, just, that's my little pre-holiday um, discussion. It's worth having that discussion because I think that's a really important thing for us to think about. But let's not further uh, stall. Let's get into this conversation with Anthony. I think you'll like him very much. It's a really fun way to spend some time today on the podcast. So enjoy deeply. Open your ears, the appetite you have for hearing, and listen carefully 
as Anthony tells us the journey he's on in China with environment, safety, and health. Here's our discussion. Listen carefully. You'll like it. So, um, how are you? Tell, tell us your name first. Okay, my name's Anthony, and my Chinese name may be more familiar with Chinese guys. It's uh, Mao Xingyu. Okay. Uh-huh. Say that again. Mao Xingyu. Mao Xingyu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mao Xingyu. You know, you know why it's familiar by Chinese people? How come? Because it's the same in pronunciation as the grandson of Mao Zedong. Oh, really? Yeah, so every time I introduce myself, they will say, oh, the same name. Are you the same person? Of course not. Then I wouldn't sit here with you. You, you would not be on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you be doing? I will be practicing the handwriting. Ah, doing yeah, the handwriting. Yeah, yeah. And what do you do for a living? What's your job? Uh, my job is an EHS consultant in China and work for all the uh, APEC area. And what's your background? Uh, my background is in uh, environmental engineering. Okay. Yep. What led you to ESH, especially in the Asia-Pacific area? Uh-huh. So now I'm working as a consultant uh, for EFC, which uh, is an EHS consultant company in Shanghai, and uh, it's uh, focused on the EHS consulting service. So that's why I uh, came in this industry. But you, you got a degree. You must have been aligned towards at least environmental engineering, health and safety, mm-hmm. as as when you were younger, right? Uh, yes. Why? Because uh, uh, when I first uh, my uh, graduate paper is about uh, uh, it's called it's called uh, global care for. Uh, chemical industry. Right, so global care for chemical industry. Yeah, that's the first time I know the word EHS. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then my professor uh, urged me to find an internship during the paper preparation. Then I searched on the internet for some kind of opportunity. Then I find this internship in EFC, and afterwards I joined EFC as a, a training assistant. Then afterwards... Our uh, business become more in consulting business, so I turn into an EHS consultant now. That's the story. Do you see the environment, health, and safety effort in China changing? Is yeah, it growing? Course. Yeah, 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 dramatically How? growing. Uh, first of all, in the uh, law and regulation way, because I think everybody knows now the Chinese government is... Uh, issuing more and more laws and regulation on no matter environmental protection and the safety. So uh, the no matter it's a, a foreign company or a local company in China, they must obey the rules. So uh, the requirement and the management for EHS is becoming more and more strict in China. Now, foreign companies probably always brought with them mm-hmm. a set of requirements from their home country mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. manage work safely. Yeah, Chinese sure. companies, at least our impression in the rest of the world, probably were not very safe. Are they becoming safer? Uh, now I could only say it's a start. I wouldn't say it's become already safe for Chinese factories, but... 
it starts from the regulation in every country, I think. Then the uh, permit and the uh, certificate for manufacturing is becoming more and more strict. Uh, this is we, we will take a process for the factories to grow and become safety and environmental friendly way. What what lessons should we know about doing work in China in health and safety? What what are some tips that you can give us that would help us advance quicker if we've got parts of our business that exist here? Mm-hmm. Let me think about. I know it's a hard question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I could mm-hmm. think of easier questions, but that one's a pretty good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Are there big efforts around behavioral-based safety in China? Um, it's sure there's the BBS program in the factory in China also, but it's also dominated by the foreign customers. Right. Yeah. So I think... Does the, the, BBS work in China? Um, it's more like in a uh, process way. You know, everyone do the checklist, do the observation. Ah, so it's the, not really the behavioral observation yeah, it, as much as the checklist. and the, Yeah, it becomes a record for the employees and for the management, for the leadership. Mm-hmm. Is there a high need for employees to be safe? Do, do employees feel a need to be safe? Uh, I think I could uh, p- take it an example that uh, now the uh, responsible leadership for uh, maybe accident. Uh, now the leadership it could be sent to prison if they are directly responsible for the accident. How do you feel about criminalizing accidents? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just make it. Mm-hmm. It's not good, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think it's good? Um, in my opinion, it has been put a lot of pressure for the leadership to uh, manage safety seriously in their plan. It's not no longer only for the record for the audit by other certific- uh, by other organization, but it's really for themselves. Because uh, if it's only the paperwork, no one will do it seriously. But okay. when it's become something related to you, yourself, your family, then the whole company start to pay attention to the whole process. Is there a tendency to blame workers? Mm, yes, of course. I think it's uh, not only in China, it's a worldwide thing. Yeah, I think it probably is worldwide. Mm-hmm. But it seems like if you're going to put criminal sanctions on managers when there's an accident, mm-hmm. that that would clearly flow down so that managers would hold workers at blame they mm-hmm. want some place to pass that plane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, during the daily operation, if there's some violation for the worker, of course now the uh, main main method for that is also uh, blame and the punishment. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, how do you say, won't change in the near future, I think, for China and for Chinese factories. So you think we're destined 
in China to go through the blame and punishment part of the cycle before we can actually value learning? Mm, I think it's like step, steps, uh, step after steps, because the young groups are more and more coming, uh, stand up in the uh, factories leadership management. So uh, it's uh, the young people accept the learning uh, concept in a different way mm-hmm. than uh, the older one. So now I think when the uh, young generation start to can become into the leadership, um, we, as for my generation, we start to put more attention on learning things. Right. Yeah, not blaming and right. punishment. And you think that'll work? You think the new generation will bring that with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the whole society bl- believes that as the uh, generation after generation, the uh, whole concept and the mindset of the uh, Chinese people are changing. And it's not slowly. I think the mindset and the concept for safety is changing dramatically in China, too. How would you characterize, how would you explain to me what you just said? The concept of safety is changing dramatically in China. What's that mean? Uh, it means, uh, like the hop says, the safety is not the uh, absence of accidents. It's the... Uh, it's the the presence uh, the present present pres- present of uh, this defensive. It's not a very. Uh, it doesn't make sense for the old, uh, may- maybe older generation. But uh, I think it's it quite makes sense according to our today course. I think the middle age and the young age generation uh, accept the concept very well. Is that true of many things in China? Mm-hmm. Is the new generation pushing the old generation into new thinking? Uh, yes, and it's not only in a safety way. No, I notice that everyone pays with everything on their phone. Even tips mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. you give on your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, in the te- Alipay and WeChat, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Technology's really changed really the way you guys do business, the way business happens, Mm -hmm, and that's mm -hmm. been interesting. And that's got to be influencing the way we think about safety. Mm -hmm. Uh, For for the uh, efficiency part, I think that's the main main part that the technology changes. But the safety part, I think it's uh, attitude to life because now the young people won't just pay attention to the salary to the work, but they also pay much more attention to their life. So without safety, you haven't life. You only have your work, your money. But uh, it's a problem for the factory that they could not hire uh, workers for those those working line, how you call them? Assembly line? Yeah, 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 assembly assembly line. line. Fewer and fewer young people are uh, going to be uh, workers on assembly line. They want to be join in, join management team. So that's the part that you could take into safety because um, when young people start to do the management, uh, they don't just take everything as the efficiency and money way. They start to think about other philosophy.
like safety, like like happiness, and the whole group of the factory as a one family. So, Is that new? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a new thing. That's a new thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. So, what's the future look like? If you could guess the future,、mm-hmm. what do you think the future will look like in China? The future in China for safety. Uh huh. The future for China in safety is difficult to describe because China is too complicated and too big. You know, in the、uh, first line, a、uh, first step,、uh, cities like Shanghai, like the,、uh, maybe Beijing, the factories are al- already at, already modernized at like the whole world, like European, like America. But there's also villages have factories in China, so that's a very big gap. Between those two levels, so in the fa- future, you could say the factory in Shanghai will be still be as good as the whole world. But I think there will be great improvements for the、uh, village level, because、um, much more、uh, foreign companies are doing the supply chain management in China, and、uh, also I have took part in to a lot of projects to. Help the management of those little factories, and that is not、uh, that doesn't exist in the past. So we are paying more and more attention to the village since the whole level of the factories are doing more and more, much more better than the past. Are you guys okay learning from the rest of the world?、Uh, learning from the the rest, rest of the world. Are you fine with? With benchmarking and learning what they're doing in Europe, what they're doing in the United States.、Uh, yes, because most of the、uh, foreign co- companies in China are,、uh, for the time being, our main customers are still the foreign companies. So, what we teach those、uh, small factories are as the stand stand of those foreign companies. So, I think the the gap will be closer and closer. Where do you see yourself? What do you want to become?、Mm-hmm. Uh, famous? Not famous. I want to be liberal. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me more.、Mm, my future plan maybe it's more like a part-time job, and I could、uh, just now my main experience is in、uh, APEC, Asia Pacific area. But I think it's interesting to get, gather all the knowledge from the whole world. Just like you, you have been to、uh, every almost a lot of countries now, and you could、uh, share experience in、uh, every pers- perspective of people. So that's what I'm planning for: to gather the information and experience from different people, different country, different culture, and、uh, then share it with. In the worldwide area. Thank、mm-hmm. you, Anthony. We don't say "bu kuch." It was fun. Did you、mm-hmm. like it? Did you like being on a podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I've heard many podcasts for of of you. You know what's the best? What is the best? I'm curious、uh-huh. what the best is. The best part is the the triangle thing. You know that, right? Yeah. I, I, before I heard your podcast, I already thought a little about that. You、triangle. did, yeah. Because it already 
didn't make sense to me. And so that helped you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's, that, very good. that's the start of hope for me. I think. All right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. See you later, my friend. See you. See you. Say your name again. Uh, Anthony. No, I can, I can say Anthony. Uh huh. Uh huh. Mao Xingyu. One more time. Mao Xingyu. Got it. Okay, uh-huh. I'm ready for it. Okay. Okay. I'll write it down. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Wasn't that a great conversation with Anthony? Can you, so I asked him to say his name again because I'm going to try to say it, which I'm totally not going to try to say it. So don't even, I mean, if you're waiting for that to happen, you got it there, right? But I thought I'll say it. That'll be really, so I say, say your name again. And he says, Anthony. Well, I got that part. That's not even the hard part. So what do you think about that conversation? I found that to be so interesting just because he's, you know, he's, He's young. He's definitely full of energy. He's definitely passionate about what he does. He's incredibly smart, well-trained, well-educated, good execution. He, he's doing a really, he's doing good stuff. But it's really interesting to hear him talk about that journey they're on just because you, you can't not contrast it to the journey we're on. There's, there's stuff on both sides of that equation. And I find that to be, uh, well, I just found it to be interesting. And Anthony was was lucky that he got selected because you know I could have picked anybody there. There's a billion and a half people there, but uh, he was really genuinely interested in being on the podcast because he listens to the podcast. Actually, I was stunned. Tons of people in China listen to the podcast. Um, weirdly, so now I would suggest the population that I was there probably self-selected, but I was still pretty stunned that tons of people listen to the podcast. And he was, you know, genuinely excited about this. This was a big deal. So who's not going to stop that? And I actually think it, it, it came out great. It was a, it, it's a good little conversation. And we got to share it together. So that's it. What do you think? I mean, we can talk about it more, but I don't know what else I'd say. Except thank you, Anthony and, and company. And uh, thank you for listening. Keep tuning in, will you? They just get more fun, I think. And uh, more interesting. There's a bunch of cool stuff coming up for sure. Until then, subscribe. Tell your friends. More's better. That always makes a big difference. But here's uh, how we end this. Pretty much always the same way. Learn something new every single day. Bet you did today. Have as much fun as you possibly can. And for goodness sakes, be safe. <laughs>